This is the Create and Thrive podcast, episode 197. And today I'm talking with the efficient creative, Kate Hutchison, about how you can make your next project a reality by taking the important steps in the process to make sure that you're doing everything right and in the right order at the right time. Do you want to grow a thriving, profitable handmade business? My name's Jess Van Den, and I'm here to help you do just that. I took my own handmade business full-time in 2010, And since 2013, I've helped thousands of makers, just like you, create and grow successful handmade businesses. So, are you ready to thrive? Let's get learning. Hello, Thrivers, and welcome back to the show for another week. I'm Jess, and today I'm going to be talking about an important topic. How many times have you set a goal or you've had a project that you want to make happen and either it doesn't happen at all or it takes way longer than you think it's going to take or you come up against all these obstacles and it just turns into this big frustrating nightmare? Does that sound familiar? Well, I know I've been there, so I'm guessing a lot of you have been there as well. My guest today is an expert at project management. Now you might have never really thought that project management was something you had to worry about because you think about it as being like some big thing done in big corporations. But honestly, anything we do in our life that we want to, you know, get to the end and create something or bring something into being or fruition is a project, right? So how do we manage it and plan it so that we actually get things done in the right order and on time and how do we even know what on time means <laughs> how do we decide when a thing is going to be done do we just pick a number a uh, number do we just pick a date out of the air do we go well I'd like to have it done by this time without realizing or thinking about well is that actually feasible can I actually get it done by that time so today we're going to go through and it's brilliant the steps of how to plan and implement and execute the creation of something, or the creation of a project, or the, the you know whether it's a new product line, a new website, heck, maybe you're even writing a book. Who knows? Whatever it might be, this podcast will help you to do it better. So I'm really excited about this episode. I really enjoyed chatting with Kate about uh, how to become a more efficient creative because that's what she's all about. But before we dive into that, a couple of things. First of all, if you've been listening for the last few weeks, you'll know that at the end of the month, my wholesale know-how course is coming out. So it's going to be a self-study course. Uh, I have run the course for years past as a live course, but I'm turning it into a self-study course. So once it's available, you'll be able to buy it and work through it at your own pace at any time. And that's coming out at the end of the month. So if you know, it's a really good time of year to get yourself set up if you want to be getting your work into shops, boutiques, galleries, especially because, you know, the holiday season is fast, is fast approaching. So this course will absolutely help you do that. And there's also an add-on trade show module that will help you to learn exactly what trade shows are all about and how you can best take advantage of going and doing one. So if all of that sounds right up your alley, keep an eye out. Head on over to createandthrive.com forward slash wholesale guide and grab my free guide which is 10 steps to wholesale readiness. This will help you determine if you are actually ready to start wholesaling or if there are things you need to you know, fix up in your business or alter or update or add on. 
So it's a really simple guide with 10 questions for you to ask yourself. You can grab it for free right now, createandthrive.com forward slash wholesale guide. And that'll pop you on the email list as well. So you'll be notified when the course is available. So hope you're excited about that. If wholesaling is something that you've wanted to do, but you're not sure how to start, you're not sure what the process is all about, you're not sure about your pricing, you're not sure about how to create a catalog, we're going to cover all of that and much, much more in this course. And finally, you may have seen the Etsy update that has come out recently uh, about free shipping in the US. I have created a video over on YouTube and a blog post on the blog. So if you want to uh, read my thoughts on that, it's still a bit up in the air. There's still some stuff we don't know, but I've kind of broken down the pros and cons, the things you need to think about and uh, how to kind of work with it. Go check that out. Just head on over to my YouTube channel or uh, head over to Create and Thrive. Just pop on the blog and you'll get access to the blog post and the video there so you can Find out all about it, especially if you're not aware of it. It is something that you're going to need to be aware of going forward into the future. All right. So let's get started with today's interview with Kate Hutchison of The Efficient Creative. Welcome to the show, Kate. Hi. Thank you so much for having me. Great to be talking to you today about one of my favorite topics, which is time management uh, and project planning more specifically. Uh, I think that's something that a lot of people in uh, the handmade industry struggle with immensely. And I'm sure you found that in your your experience as well. Of course, yes. But before we do that, could you just give us a little background about uh, who you are, what you do and kind of how you got to this point? Sure. Well, I come by the handmade industries uh, pretty naturally myself. I'm a crafter. Um, I'm a knitter and I've always wanted to have my my own businesses, Um, but it never really happened for me. I was a photographer for a while. I've done lots and lots and lots and lots of different things um, in my life. But a few years ago, I... um, I became a project manager for a company, um, and that was great. I really liked it, but I still knew that it wasn't exactly what I wanted to be doing. Um, and so I actually ended up working uh, with a coach who kind of looked at all of the various things that I had done in my background and said, well, what about virtual assistants? And I thought, oh, well, duh, that's really obvious. You know, like <laughs> I, have a, I have an English degree and I can write and edit and proofread and I've done photography and I've done blah, blah, blah. And, you know, just all these different things. And it was like, oh, well, yeah, that's a really obvious bet. And so from there, I kind of took um, the, uh, the, project management side of it and combine that with a virtual assistant, which is my business now. Um, But one of the things that brought me to love project management was the fact that I did not grow up as somebody who is, you know, a very left-brained person. I've always thought of myself as a really creative person. I'm really imaginative. Mm-hmm. And honestly, naturally, I'm quite forgetful and scatterbrained. Um, and so, <laughs> which doesn't sound like great qualifications for a project <laughs> manager, but I have had to learn strategies in order to manage that sort of scatterbrained 
uh, natural thing that I have. So, you know, when, when people who are very creative and crafty come to me and they want help, I love that because I already speak that language and I know the strategies that can work for people who don't think of themselves as being particularly organized. I love that you said that because um, my mum, one of my mum's nicknames for me as a child was the absent-minded professor. Um, <laughs> I would, I would just, I'd do one thing and then get distracted and go do something else and then get distracted and go do something else. And my, you know, room looked like a bomb had hit it. And I always had all these projects and passions and things that I was interested in and uh, yeah, kind of really scatterbrained. But at the same time, I was really responsible. So like I always got my homework done. I always got my assignments done on time. So it was this weird juxtaposition of I could focus when I needed to and I kind of set strategies in place to make that happen. But then I could always also be like all over the place. So I think I really <laughs> recognize that in myself. And I think a lot of people listening probably recognize that as well. Yeah, that's exactly how it's always been for me as well. I actually, I joke, I, I have two kids and I joke, well, I could never have another kid because there's no way I'd remember that many birthdays. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. And, you know, I've had to do the same. I run now three businesses or well, I'm part of three businesses and, you know, keeping all the balls in the air I, is you have to work out systems and strategies, otherwise Absolutely. everything will fall apart. And I have my own, which I'm happy to talk about a little bit in this podcast as well. But we're more interested in the ones that you've developed here today because this is kind of your specialty, the thing that you focus on alongside um, you know, general VA uh, tasks, which you offer as well, I'm assuming. Yes, I do. Yeah. So what's kind of what are the main challenges uh that you find people are up against the creative people are up against in sort of uh, getting a big project done or getting something finished and done sure so you kind of touched on this with um your description of yourself um and one of the big things is multi-passionate people mm. um really fall into that trap of shiny object syndrome, um, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> where it's so easy for us to, um, to get distracted when we, it, what I usually see happen is that when somebody hits resistance or any kind of roadblock where they don't want to move forward, that's when they find themselves, oh, well, I'm kind of bored with this right now, mm. or, or I'm going to take, take a break from that, and I'm going to clear my head, and I'm going to go move on to something else. And it's, it's not necessarily because we really are bored with it if we were to dig deeper into that. A lot of times it's because we just don't know that next step forward and we don't really know how to find the next step forward. And so we, we get that resistance, we get that roadblock, and we end up pivoting instead of figuring out the way past the roadblock. This is so incredibly insightful. And I just want to pause and really focus on this because it is so, so true. Have you read The, the War of Art by Stephen Pressfield? Yes, that's a great yeah. book. So he talks about this, thing, he call it like resistance. He calls it like a force that you have to overcome. Um, you know, the war of art is overcoming resistance and pushing through it and making the thing. And I think that's exactly what you've touched on here is this idea that, yeah, we, when we find, we come up against those creative blocks or we come up against, another one I find for people is like analysis paralysis and they don't know which way to go so they don't do anything. Yes, absolutely. 
So everybody listening, I'm sure you recognize this in yourself, but I think it's so important to actually be aware that this is what might be happening. It might, you might not be getting bored. As you said, you might just have hit resistance or hit some sort of challenge and your brain wants to take the easy way out by avoiding it. Yes, that's exactly, (laughs) that's exactly what it is. (laughs) So we all know because we've all been there. Yeah, absolutely. It feels like a daily thing sometimes, doesn't it? Just kind of coming up against these. Especially, I think it's especially true for people who are either beginning or ready to kind of step things up a level. Yeah. Um, yeah, for sure. Because it's it's that um, the decision-making is such a big part of where we have those pieces of resistance. And when you don't know, when you don't know exactly what you're supposed to be doing, because you're either leveling up or you're just starting out, there's so many decisions to be made. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's just, it's such a big, it's such a big uh, block for so many people just not wanting to, to push forward. And then I guess you get decision fatigue as well. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. But I think that there are ways of, you know, laying everything out so that you can see the decisions that need to be made. And somehow, and I think this may be especially true for, for creative people who are visual, is when you just kind of get can see everything laid out in front of you, Mm. automatically, that just reduces that stress that your body feels when you don't know what your next step is or when you have that kind of decision fatigue, you know, you can feel that stress in your body and, and somehow just sort of getting it out all in front of you can really start to relieve that so that you can just sort of see, okay, so all that I need to focus on right now is this one thing and that's, I can let everything else go. And that really allows, it really allows you to move forward. Um, when maybe you couldn't before. So is this one of the steps in the process you take people through this kind of getting everything out of your head? Yeah, it is. Uh, Yeah. And what does, does that look different to different people? Well, it can. So what I advise for people to do, and, and I actually, um, you can do this just with sticky notes. That's how Mm. I do it. So you take sticky notes and a pen or piece of paper and literally you start writing down all of the tasks that have to be done in order to reach whatever goal you're trying to get to. And you just, it's just brain dumping. That's Mm -hmm. the first step is just to brain dump, which, and you can even do it. You don't have to do it on sticky notes, but I really like sticky notes um, because later on in that process, you kind of move things around and it's Mm -hmm. obviously a lot easier to do that um, with sticky notes. And there's even digital uh, ways that you can, can have sort of digital sticky notes as well, um, which is what I generally do with my clients who are online. Um, But yeah, so that's all you do. You brain dump and you, um, but the, the differences for some people might be that, Um, you might want to start with like kind of larger categories. If you have something that's just really, it feels really big, um, you can start by just saying, okay, what are the categories that I have to, to think, to think about? What are the categories of things that I have to do in order to reach that goal? And so you can say, um, 
you know, I don't know, I don't know jewelry making, so I can't speak to mm-hmm. that. But um, let's say maybe you're writing a knitting pattern. I know knitting, so I can I can speak to that a little <laughs> bit. Um, <laughs> so um, maybe you know you have your categories of um, well, what uh, what tools are you going to use to design your charts or Um, you know, how am I going to find my test knitters? Um, You know, so you might just have those in bigger categories of, you know, testing would be a Mm -hmm. category and you would, you would lay out all of the different steps that are involved in the testing of, um, of the pattern, you know, so you can break it out into, into big categories like that um, if you need to start that way, or you can just start brain dumping, just literally saying every task that has to be done. I yeah that is a strategy I absolutely use I use um and that what I used to do it is Trello that's the software that I use mm-hmm. which is kind of like a digital sticky note um when you said that I was like yeah that's exactly what it is because you can just write all these little things and then you can move them around and reorder them and put them on different boards and you know basically organize it once you've gotten it all out of your head rather than trying to organize it as you're going Yes, exactly. <laughs> so um just to backtrack a little bit we talked about uh you know, this, these, this resistance that might come up. Um, we kind of touched on analysis paralysis, decision fatigue. Um, did you want to expand on those or any other challenges that people kind of come up against throughout this process that you see a lot of? Hmm. Well, I think, so I think one of the things that happens and, and so this will kind of combine that decision fatigue analysis paralysis with with what I was talking about um, with the brain dumping. Mm-hmm. And that is um, that you see the decisions that you have to make as actions that you have to take. So when you have a decision that you're going to have to make, that becomes your action task. So your your task, one of your tasks would be then research the best tool to chart knitting patterns maybe that's Mm -hmm. the the research that you have to do and then your your next step would be decide (laughs) decide (laughs) which one to use and so you you just lay them out so that you can see that the actual research is a task that I'm going to devote a certain amount of time to Mm-hmm. And then the decision that I'll make from that is a task. But when you lay them out so that you can see, I'm going to have to devote a certain amount of time to this. And then when that time is done, I need to make a decision. I need to have, you know, in order to move forward, I'm going to have to make that decision. Otherwise, it's going to totally stop me. And then the rest of my plan is kaput. Yeah, because it's it, it basically becomes a roadblock if it, it doesn't get done. Mm-hmm. and stops everything. I, I love how you phrase that, um, you know, a decision you have to make is an action you have to take. I feel like that should be like on a T-shirt or something. <laughs> it's a great uh, a little poem about decision-making. And I think it is it's so true. And it's, it's a great way of sort of framing things in our brain. It's like, oh, once I make the decision, then I can take the next action, then I can make the next decision and and take the next action. Do you find people get overwhelmed as well because they think they have to make all the decisions at once? Absolutely, especially when it's something that they've never done before. And you Mm -hmm. just see that so often where people end up not making any decisions because it happens so much online, right? We Mm -hmm. all see this with any kind of online uh, venture where 
everybody's talking at you and everybody's telling you what you have to do, everything that you have to do. And you get so many different opinions. It's that information overload, right? Where you're like, mm -hmm. well, I don't, is that important? I don't know. And I don't <laughs> have time to spend thinking about it. So, Am I now yeah. focusing on the wrong thing? Should I be focusing on that instead? <laughs> right, right. We get, yeah, we just get so overloaded sometimes that you just don't even know, well, who, who is that person and do I trust them? And, you know, yes. it's like that. That's, yeah, that's a really good point as well. Um, I think that's an important thing to, to kind of point out here is that everybody's an expert in their own thing, but just because something's worked for them, it doesn't mean it's going to be the right thing for you to do. So you always have to make your own decision based upon your particular circumstances, which can be in and of itself a challenge. Yeah, absolutely. And the thing too is that I think we put so much pressure on ourselves with making the right decision. Mm. And if we allow ourselves to reframe that process as I'm going to make a decision and it may not be the best decision, but it's the best decision that I can come up with right now. And I might make a different decision the next time I do this process. But just to remove a little bit of that pressure where, well, if I make the wrong decision, it's going to fail. Well, it's probably not going to fail. It just, you know, you, you refine it as you go. You make things that are a little bit better and the decisions that you make next year are going to be slightly different than the decisions that you made this year. And that's okay because mm. it's just that process of getting a little bit better each time. But we, we just pressure ourselves so much into worrying about what the right decision is and that, we, you know, we just have to rethink it as, okay, it's not, it may not be the perfect decision and that's okay. Yeah. My friend Karen Gunton has this saying and she's like, it's not a tattoo. You can change your mind. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so don't, don't treat it like it's something so permanent inked upon your skin. Just it's, it's a decision you're making for now. Mm -hmm. And in a year's time, you might come back and iterate and make that slightly different decision. And I think that's another thing that's really important for people to realize is in business, you're never finished. You, you, you're never done. Nothing's ever complete. You're always evolving and, you know, they're always experimenting. And that's part of the, the joy of it and part of the excite, excitement of it is that there's always a way to make things better. But that being said, just because you can't get it perfect the first time, don't wait, just start. Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, I hear art teachers say, don't be precious. That's what one of my mm. art teachers used to say. <laughs> don't be precious about it. You know, just like, let it go. Just do it. <laughs> just do it. Yeah. And it's going to be fine. Yeah. And you can always do it differently next time. Exactly. So, okay. So we, uh, coming back to sort of the project management decision-making process, we talked about the brain dump. What's the next stage after doing that? All right, so after you brain dump, then you put them in order. So then you start to sort of imagine, um, and you always want to do this with like a big space, right? So Trello board is, is great, or if you're doing it the analog way, a big <laughs> empty um, section of your wall or a dining room table. If, if, if your dining room table is not filled with craft supplies, <laughs> you know, we, we all know what the truth is, but... <laughs> Um, so then you, you start to imagine that space as a timeline 
you know, moving left to right from the earliest to the latest item. And it's obviously, it's a little bit hard to kind of really get that impression on a podcast. Mm -hmm. Um, but you, you start to just sort of put the, the cards in order of, okay, so what's one of the very early things that I have to get done? And you just, you just move that to the, basically the left side of your workspace. And then you say, okay, so is there anything that has to be done before I do that? Any decisions that have to be made before I can take that action? And one of the things I didn't mention when I was talking about the brain dump, but this is actually, um, to me, it's kind of one of the most important pieces of it. And that is when you are brain dumping, try to frame the task with an action verb. So it's, it's really easy to just say, oh, I have to, um, I have to do my marketing plan. But you really want to really use good action verbs so that when you look at it, you know exactly what you're supposed to do. So you have to outline your marketing plan. You have to write the emails for your marketing plan or even write the first email for your marketing <laughs> plan, right? You just break it down until it's a step where you say, okay, I know exactly what I have to do. So you say, great. Okay. So I have to do this thing early. Anything I have to do before that? No. You know, look over all your, um, your, cards and then okay so what do I have to do after that thing and you basically you're just putting them in kind of a linear order from the earliest thing moving all the way through the project into the very last thing that you have to do um, before that project is done and then so you the most part of it is going to be kind of this horizontal layout but then there are other things that always sort of live out in their own space either they can be done at the same time as another task or they're kind of big tasks that are going to be done in kind of general times around these other things and you want to just sort of put those items vertically um mm -hmm. so you can just sort of again see the whole project as uh, a timeline and I imagine that when you're doing this project, uh, like organizing everything, you may find that you've missed things and that's where you can kind of, you know, to do this job and then need to do this other job. Oh, but I haven't written that down yet. And I just kind of didn't realize that that step existed. So that's when you can add it to the process. Exactly. And that's one of the great things about this process is that it does kind of force you to really think through what your, you break down your process um, into really small steps so that you can say, oh, okay, so I know that I'm really not leaving anything out here. I've thought through all of these different things that have to be done. And that's the helpful thing too about using sticky notes is you just write a new sticky note and then you add it in. <laughs> it's really easy. You don't have to reformat anything, you know? So one, one objection to this that I could hear some people saying is, but I don't know what I have to do to get to that point. So sure. what, what do you say to that? So I think that there's a lot of different um, methods that you can use. The one thing that I would say, I don't know what I have to do. Okay. So that's your action step. Mm -hmm. Research how to blah, blah, blah. So Jess, I know that you have, um, you have something, it's like a um, kind of a roadmap for people to follow, right? Mm -hmm. And so what someone could do then is they could follow your roadmap and say, oh, okay, so now I know, even though I've never done this process before, I've lo I'm looking at a roadmap that somebody else has made and this is what they say. So I'm just gonna take that chunk of it, you know, and put that right. chunk it into my process because somebody else has sort of laid out that piece of it for me or they, and you know, and they know what they're talking about. 
Yeah. So that's exactly what you're saying. I have um, in my Thriver Circle, I have this year long course called Your Year to Thrive. And it's like, it's basically, I say, it's like, I wish I'd had this in my first five years of business because I've laid everything out in order from mm-hmm. a start here, then do this next step. And things like, um, I think like marketing and that don't come up to like month seven and people are like, what on earth? Why is it so late? And I'm like, because to do that properly, you have to do all this other stuff first, which you might not have thought about. So yeah, having that system in place, like step, step, step. And, um, another course I, I have set up shop is exactly that. Like the, the, the reason I created it is to take people on a step-by-step system through that those decisions that need to be made rather than what I did, which was make this decision, then make that decision. And then it took me years to get to the point where I'd made all of the decisions because when I made that decision, oh, actually I should have made a different decision over here. Right. <laughs> so you're constantly moving backwards and forwards, um, sort of fixing. And we talked about that just before, but fixing the wrong decisions. I'm totally doing air quotes here or, you know, the, the least better or not as quite good decision that I made somewhere else um, <laughs> right. to fix it up. So yeah, that's a really, really good point that you can like use some, you can like draw upon somebody else's knowledge of a, uh, of a thing and learn right. from them and follow their system. And then, Hey, if it doesn't work a hundred percent for you throw, you know, well, don't throw it out necessarily, but change it and make it work for you. Right. Exactly. And then you'll, you'll at least have a framework that you can mm-hmm. look at and say, okay, so yeah, I think that this part of it is really going to work for me, but maybe, or you know, say, um, you know, how life would look different for somebody who is working full time and doing their craft as a side hustle than it would for somebody who has all the time in the world to devote to it, right? And so somebody's path might look a little bit different based on the fact that they have so much less time to work on it that's available. And Mm -hmm. so, you know, maybe it's a matter of them sort of reframing it in a way that fits a little bit better with their schedule. Yeah, absolutely. That's a really good point. So let's come back to our our planning. We've got the post-it notes. We've got everything in order. Is it just then a case of working through them in the right order? Well, then you really want to estimate your times. Ah. So after you put everything in order, the next thing that you want to do, and if you're working with sticky notes, you can kind of put your action item kind of at the top of the sticky note, leave a little bit of space down at the bottom. Um, But then you're literally going to look at every... Uh, sticky note that you have and you're going to say, okay, how long do I think this is going to take? Um, And you can kind of think about things depending on what the task is. You might think of it in terms of actual like hourly time, or you can think of it in terms of calendar time, just kind of whichever one makes sense Mm -hmm. for whatever the task is. Um, And then you also want to think about, so if there are items that you have to wait for, right, maybe you have to wait for a shipment um, of materials and that is going to impact when you can start working. Well, you want to take those sorts of lag times into account. So if one of your Um, if one of your action items is order materials and then the next action item is begin working, you're going to have a space between there of what, you know, however long it takes for the materials to arrive. Um, 
So you want to go through and you want to estimate all those times. And then once you have all of your times written on your sticky note, you do this thing, which in project management speak, we call it's called the critical path. So um, that's a little bit of project management ease <laughs> for everybody. Um, and that basically what you're doing is you're going to follow the timelines. And as you kind of, and again, it's, it's a little hard to get a, a sense of it on a podcast, but um, it, once you have kind of a, um, your your uh, whole project laid out, you see that there are different paths through. So some things are kind of following up around the top and then some things kind of offshoot. If you were to connect each of your tasks with arrows, you might have a task that has two arrows coming off of it. Like mm -hmm. two things can't happen until this one thing before it happens, right? All right. And so you may have two different paths to follow, but you want to see, well, how, how long does the upper path take and how long does the lower path take? And basically, whichever path is the longest way through is something called the critical path, which is just a fancy way of saying it's basically the shortest amount of time that it's going to take for you to get your project done. If you have something like lag time where you have two weeks, you have to take things like that into account. You know mm -hmm. that you can't get the project done until all of those uh, situations have been met. So the longest path through is the shortest amount of time in which you can get your, your project done. That is so incredibly helpful <laughs> because I think people don't necessarily always put all those steps together. They just kind of see it all and go, oh, I think it'll take me about this long. Or yeah. I want it to take me about this long. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then what, and I see this all the time when people say, Okay, so I think I'm going to go live um, maybe September 10th because I don't have a lot going on then. And that's sort of like generally kind of how our brains work. We're like, yeah, so I have vacation in July and, you know, and, and it's just pulled out of thin air, right? It's not really based on anything other than just kind of a gut feeling. At least that's yeah. kind of how I would have done it before I knew this process. Um, mm -hmm. But then, right, then once you have all those timelines laid out, then you have actual data where you can say, oh, now I know how long it's supposed to take. Yeah, that is so incredibly helpful. Um, I know I've made that mistake myself before where I've gone, oh, yeah, well, I've kind of done the backtracking instead of the forward planning. So mm -hmm. we pick a date and then backtrack from there and then try to squish all of the work into that time. Yes, um, right. <laughs> which, and then you end up working 12-hour yeah. days. Yeah. <laughs> That's, nobody wants to do that. We've been doing it all wrong. <laughs> I worked with a client and at some point she's going to come to me and say, you really have to stop telling people this story because I tell it all the time. But um, <laughs> we, we were meeting for her planning session and she said, okay, well, my launch day is going to be February 5th. And I said, okay, great. And then we actually did the planning session. And I said, no, your launch date is going to be April 15th. <laughs> <laughs> You know, she had just pulled a date out of nowhere. And then once we actually laid it out, it was like, oh, no, February is not in any way realistic. Yeah. And the worst thing about that is then people feel down on themselves and think they, they're useless or a slacker or whatever because they haven't got it done by that date. Exactly. Exactly. And that's just not good for anybody to feel that way. Right. So you're right. not a useless or a slacker. You just haven't done the planning correctly, perhaps. Right. And, and two, I think, you know, people have a tendency to um, underestimate the amount of time that things are oh, going to take them. Yeah. <laughs> and so when you're estimating your times, you kind of have to take that into account. Now, some people um, may have a tendency to overestimate 
Um, but that's not as common. I think most people have a tendency to underestimate. And so you want to be kind of realistic um, with, with your time estimations, especially if it's something that either you've never done before or you don't know how to do very well or you hate doing. You always <laughs> want to add in a little bit of extra buffer time because that resistance, it's going to, you're going to, you're going to pause. You're going to have a roadblock. You're going to say, I don't want to do it. And then anyone? you're just going to procrastinate, <laughs> you know? So, true. so you have to, and you, I mean, you need to be obviously like if it's something that should take you three hours and you really hate doing it and you put three weeks on there, you might be giving yourself a little too much buffer time, <laughs> but you know, but do take those sorts of things into account. Yeah, there's a, I can't remember the name of it. It's, it's one of those business idioms, but that um, a task will expand to fit the time you allocate for it. Parkinson's law. Thank yes. you. I was like, what is that name? Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. So yes. don't, don't allocate too much time. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Another story. And I, I tell this one all the time too, but um, when I was learning project management uh, technique techniques, I heard a story that sticks with me all the time. And so if you sort of imagine yourself as a project manager in this scenario, the advice was never give the boss the best case scenario timeline. Mm -hmm. So let, imagine you walk into a meeting with the boss and you tell the boss, well, this project is going to take six weeks, but if everything goes well, it'll take four weeks. Well, which one of those scenarios does your boss hear? Four weeks. Right. They don't even hear the six <laughs> weeks. As soon as you say four weeks, six weeks is out of their head and they come back to you in four weeks and they say, why isn't it done? And you say, well, I said if everything goes well, <laughs> every, something's going to go wrong every time. So yeah. in these kinds of scenarios, your brain is the boss. So don't tell your brain that, oh, well, if everything goes perfectly, it's going to be done, blah, blah, because not, that's not really going to happen. You know, you want to be realistic. Your brain's the, the boss. Don't give your brain the best case scenario timeline. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> Don't give your, boss, your brain the best case. Okay, so we have planned it out. We've done our timeline. Um, what's the next step? So after that, then you have your roadmap, and now it's time to do the work. Mm. And what are some of the obstacles that people will come up against? We've kind of talked about things taking longer or, you know, than we think they're going to take. Are there other problems that arise that stop people in their tracks, even though they've done all the work? Yeah, I mean, follow through obviously is a really tough issue and we could do a whole other episode just about <laughs> follow through. So one of the things that you want to do is when you have this uh, when you have this roadmap, you want to keep it handy. So if you have it as, um, you know, something on your wall, you could just sort of leave it there. Um, or if you do this on Trello, you can keep it handy, keep it available so that you're seeing it all the time. Um, I think that one of the things that you want to do in order to help improve your follow through is to mark your progress as you go so that you get those little wins. Um, so one of the things that you can do, so you keep the things up, you, um, as mm. you're working, you can, what I like to do is with this digital tool that I use, I make the sticky notes different color once they're done. So it's sort of like, or you could even take a marker or something. What if you're really artistic, you can draw something on it. I don't know, but something mm. that where you can look at it at a glance and say, I did that that one's done. I don't have to think about it anymore. And those little wins are really great for, um, for improving our motivation to kind of keep going. 
the other big thing that I would recommend is when you get to that place where you're having trouble following through or you have that resistance or you have a roadblock, one really helpful thing to do is to take a look at that task and say, how can I break this down more? Because it could be that you just don't feel like the next step is really clear or really obvious. And so if you take that task and you break it down into even smaller component pieces until finally mm -hmm. you can look at it and say, I can do that one thing. So even if it's, <laughs> even if you get to the point, maybe you have to write something, maybe you want to break down that task and say, open Google Docs. And like, that's the only thing that you can get done. I did it. I can mark it off. I opened Google Docs, you know, or I wrote an outline, you know, so just keep breaking those tasks down until you can look at it and say, yes, I can do that thing next. Mm, I like that. I think, I think one of the huge, hugest mistakes or biggest mistakes people make is making those tasks too broad or too big. And then that once they get mm -hmm. to it, they, they stop because it's like, oh, that's too hard. You might also look at it and say, oh, I didn't really have an action word with that. So what is, mm. what is the specific action that I have to take for this task? Um, and then just sort of, again, kind of reframing it. So you're like, I know what the action is. I know what I have to do. Yeah, I really, I really like that in, um, insistence on making it an action like it, that just changes everything rather than it just being this static thing. It's like, okay, no, this is the doing that goes along with this. And then there's the next lot of doing things. So we work through, we make these adjustments and then we get to the point where we have finished or we, is that a moment for celebration? Is it a moment for panic? What happens when people get to that point? <laughs> Absolutely celebrate, definitely celebrate. <laughs> but either right before or right after you celebrate, you do want to look at that project and you know the the um, the whole linear plan of it and take a look at it and and take a moment to think about how you're going to refine it for the next time that you do it. Mm -hmm. So assuming that this is a um, a process that you're going to do more than once, do that keep doing, start doing, stop doing exercise. What are you going to keep doing? What worked really well? What didn't work well that you need to adjust a little bit? Maybe you didn't allow enough time for a certain uh, task, or maybe you allowed too much time for another task. So you can kind of refine it in those ways. And then what are you going to stop doing? Mm -hmm. So you that that process with it and then absolutely celebrate because that was a <laughs> lot of hard work. <laughs> Yeah, I think it's important to to sort of really focus on that because we I think we have a tendency to kind of just then move straight on to the next thing without taking a moment to actually go, hey, look at what I've achieved. Absolutely. Yeah, it's really true. So and I just think that there's so much of that self-care that's that's involved mm -hmm. in um, recognizing what you have accomplished. And that's another, I think, really nice reason for kind of keeping that um, plan handy where you can see it and like kind of marking off the tasks as you do them so that, you know, you have those days where you just feel like you're not getting anything done or it's really hard to move mm -hmm. forward. You can look and say, but look at what all I've done so far. I have accomplished so much so far and just allow yourself to, to really feel proud of, of what you've done so far. Yeah. And I think, you know, when we achieve those big projects, it's, it's so exciting and it's so important to be proud of, of everything you've achieved uh, before you, you know, jump onto the next thing, whatever that may be. 
And then, you know, I really like that exercise you just mentioned about the, you know, start doing, stop doing, keep doing. I think that's an incredibly useful process that we perhaps don't do enough of. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I know it really is. It's hard to take that moment to to pause and 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 reflect when you, when you're ready to be done with it, right? You don't <laughs> want to think about it anymore. Um, but it is really important to do that because otherwise you're going to, by the next time you start that process again, you're not going to remember and you're going <laughs> to make some of the same, same uh, mistakes that you made the first time around. I know we've been kind of talking in, in terms of like a big project, but these things can be applied to, I think this, this process can be applied to any sort of system in your business. Absolutely. Even stuff that you do like on a daily or weekly basis. Absolutely. And if you, I, you know, I don't know how many people have like kind of teams that work with them or virtual assistants or, um, or anything like that, but you can absolutely, I use this same process anytime I'm, I'm writing out a, um, a standard operating procedure or instructions um, for anybody who's on my team who's doing stuff. And it just, it's, it's how you, here's how you do this process, you know? So mm-hmm. any, anything like, it's also really helpful for if you have a checklist, like say if you have um, like a blog and you have a blog checklist that you want to go through to make sure that you've covered all your bases, you have all your SEO where it's supposed to be, all of that stuff. Mm-hmm. You, you can use this process um, to lay out all of the checklists you can go through and say, you know, make sure that you've done all the pieces that have to be done. Yeah. A big one in handmade business is order processing. Like from the moment you get an order to the moment you're done with the order, like what are all of the steps? Yes, absolutely. You or your team need to make to make sure that you make the least mistakes. <laughs> Yes. In fact, I did this process with um, a friend of mine who's an artist and, and we basically laid out her process, um, her shipping process, mm-hmm. because it was something that she really struggled with. And so we just we laid it out, you know, okay, so the order comes in and here's what you have to do next. And so mm-hmm. now she has it all laid out for her. Yeah. And I would, I would strongly um, suggest that anybody who does sell stuff especially online, does literally write it down, like every single step you have to make. Um, There's a previous podcast where I actually outline exactly how we do it in in Ethereal because there are two of us. Um, And when you add people, you add more more, uh, propensity for errors because, you you know, information is going back and forth between two people. So um, I'll look at that. Oh, I can't remember what number it is off the top of my head, everybody. Sorry, but I will look it up and try to add it to the show notes. Uh, so that you can go listen to that episode as well if you want to know what I do or what Nick and I do uh, because we have a really, really detailed step-by-step process for every single order that comes in so that we get it out the door on time, the right order to the right person. (laughs) Sort of like surgery, right? (laughs) Yeah. yeah. (laughs) You have to make sure that everything is cross-checked and everything's in the right place. Like on a plane or the, where the flight attendants <laughs> yeah. have to cross-check each other. That's exactly yeah. what we do. Um, we cross-check each other on, on a regular basis in different parts of the process. So it's, it's a really good point. Um, yeah. So do you have any final kind of words of wisdom for people around this sort of project management, time management scenario in their business? Well, I just, um, I think that my, my words of wisdom would be that um, if you are creative and kind of scatterbrained, you're not a lost cause. It's not hopeless. <laughs> you really can be organized and creative. And that's why I call my business the efficient creatives because you really can be both. Um, so <laughs> no matter how overwhelmed you are, there is a way through it. You can break it down and take that next step. 
I love that. And it's so, so true. Um, Kate, thank you so much for coming on the show today to talk about this process. I think everyone listening will find it super useful. I mean, you know, I've been doing this stuff and I've been self-employed for nine years now. And even I'm like, oh yeah, I should, you know, I should do a better job of that. Like it's something I could definitely be doing a better job of. So thank you for that. Um, Where can people find out more about you and what you do? Well, you can find me at theefficientcreative.com. That's my website. Um, I'm on Instagram at at Kate Hutchison, which is H-U-T-C-H-E-S-O-N, or at Facebook at Efficient Creative, um, or The Efficient Creative. That's where you can find me. Thank you so much, Jess. Uh, (laughs) This was super fun, and um, I really enjoyed talking to you. And um, thank you so much for having me on. You're very, very welcome. And guys, if you need some real serious one-on-one help with project management, uh, go check out Kate's stuff. I know she has a few, you have like a a coaching program and stuff as well, don't you, for people? Well, it's project planning. So there's project Uh, planning and then there's project management. Right, right. Awesome. And uh, yeah, so if, if you're finding that this is something that you're struggling with, Kate can help you out with that. Thank you so much. It was an awesome to chat to you we got some really i think juicy pieces of advice for people today so i hope if you were listening maybe you took a note or two but if you didn't maybe go back and do that or you know head on over to createandthrive.com and look for the show notes for this episode because we'll have it kind of bullet pointed all the important points over there thank you so much kate for coming on the show thank you I hope you're all fired up to do your next project now because you've got a plan. You've got a way of making it happen. Are you going to use post-it notes? Are you going to use Trello? There's so many different ways that you can do this process. Whatever works for you is the way to do it. Thank you again to Kate for coming on the show and sharing her knowledge with us in this episode today. I know I learned a lot from this episode and I'm going to definitely implement some of those takeaways in my future project planning. Of course, don't forget to check out my free wholesale guide, 10 Steps to Wholesale Readiness. Head on over to createandthrive.com forward slash wholesale guide. It's all one word. And you can download that right now and see if you are ready to wholesale your goods and sell them in boutiques, galleries, and shops all over your country, and maybe one day even all over the world. Who knows? Thank you so much for being here with me. I would love to hear from you. Did you enjoy this episode? Take screenshot, share on Instagram in your stories, and tag me at Create Thrive. Tell me what you thought, or just send me a DM over on Instagram. But even better, I would love it if you could leave me a review on Apple Podcasts. That really helps other people to find the show. The more reviews the show has, the more findable it is. So uh, I would love, love, love to read your review over on Apple Podcasts about the show and what you think and how it's helped you and maybe how you think it might help others. Uh, I'm honored as always to be here with you for another week. Thank you for listening and bye for now.